Welcome to Bible Thinker, the program dedicated to thinking biblically about everything. I'm Pastor Mike Winger. In the 2015 Obergefell decision, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled to change the definition of marriage to include same-sex couples. This is a careful analysis of why that decision was wrong legally, morally, and philosophically. I ask you to think with me. I beg you to think carefully about this issue as we evaluate the four reasons that Justice Kennedy gave to support that decision. This is the last in our seven-part series on homosexuality. Okay, the, uh, the political issue of marriage, the Supreme Court decision, here's what we need to look at. Um, what actually happened? What did the Supreme Court do? What did they actually do? Well, we can start with what they didn't do. <laughs> they did not give homosexuals a right to get married. That is not what happened. Gay marriage is not what happened. Same-sex marriage is what happened. And there's a difference, and it's really important that we understand this difference. It's not a trite thing. Okay, gay people have always been allowed to get married. But people of the same gender have never been allowed to get married. The issue is not gay marriage. That's why I try to be careful to not say gay marriage, or say it as little as I can, and say same-sex marriage, because that's the actual issue. For instance, right now, if a gay man and a gay woman said, I want to get married for whatever reason, they're allowed to get married. If a straight man and a gay woman want to get married, they can get married. The state has no interest in their sexual orientation opinions. It's just that they're opposite sex. That's what marriage is. Similarly, with this new law being passed and new views, this means that two straight men could also get married. It's not about gay and straight. It's about gender. What the, what the Supreme Court did was they did not give homosexuals a right to get married. They already had that right. What they did was they redefined marriage. And they know this. That's why they said we're redefining marriage. They redefined marriage to include same-sex relationships. This is like redefining circles to include squares. It's just a redefinition. That's what, that's what they did. They redefined marriage. Marriage, however, is not a legal convention. It was discovered, not defined, in the first place. It's according to our physical design and nature. And even if you're not, uh, if you don't believe in God, then it was based on our evolution, if you will. But it's based upon our actual design, men and women, and that we're complementary and that it produces children and all this other stuff. That's what marriage is based on. <laughs> so it was not defined. It was discovered. So redefining it when it's not it's not, see, it's not a civil institution. It's merely acknowledged with a civil institution, but it's not in and of itself merely an institution invented by men. Well, Justice uh, Kennedy, who wrote the majority opinion, these, these five lawyers, five lawyers, there were five on one side, four on the other, four who disagreed, dissented, and they wrote the minority you know, opinion. Then we have the majority opinion written by Justice Kennedy. He recognized that marriage is at the center of not only the U.S., but all human civilization. He acknowledged this. He also recognized that marriage is, and I quote, by its nature, a heterosexual union. So he acknowledged the very nature of marriage is a heterosexual union. This is not really debated. Marriage has always been a heterosexual union. No situation in marriage can you think of that society has endorsed has been something other than that. But then he followed up by saying, this view is now obsolete. It's obsolete. Us five lawyers against the will of the people have decided that marriage no longer means what you think it means. 
Marriage, why do you keep using that word? I do not think it means what you think it means. Here's the new meaning, suck it up. He gave four justifications in the majority opinion, four reasons why they're gonna redefine marriage to include uh, same-sex marriage. And one of them is this, <coughs> marrying whoever you want to is a right. Well, okay, but how does that make redefining marriage? That doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, we can approach this from two sides. There's the philosophical argument, the logical, and we're gonna go through that right now, or the legal thing. The legal thing is that you're not supposed to legislate from the bench. You're not supposed to make laws as a Supreme Court. Your only job is interpreting the law accurately, not reinterpreting it to mean new things, which is what happened. So that's actually what most of the, the opinion against them was about. They're saying this is illegal. You can't, as a Supreme Court, do this. It's not your job. We were specific. We're not the Congress. We don't legislate. We don't make laws. We simply interpret. We just go, is this constitutional? Is it not? We just echo and repeat whatever the Constitution has already said. But they've done something else. So that's the legal thing against it. But I want to approach the philosophical or the logical stuff that they said. So marrying who you choose is a right. Well, that's true-ish, but it's also irrelevant. We don't call that marriage for the same reason we don't call a square a circle. So marrying who you want to is a right, but you can't marry a tree because that's not marriage. Not because you're not allowed to marry trees, but because that's just not what marriage is. I can't marry a same-sex person because that's not what marriage is, which he acknowledged and then ignored. But there are still restrictions on who you can marry. For instance, you can't marry somebody who is already married. You can't. The state's like, sorry, we won't give you the license. You're already married. You can't marry people if they're your parent. You can't marry anyone you choose. That's not really how it works. This is just like wrong. It's wrong-headed. You can't marry people if they're a person of the same sex. And before you think that's so wacko, can I say this? That in the majority of states across the country, there are laws, state laws, that have been passed against marrying first cousins. L laws against marrying first cousins. You can't do that. You can't just marry anybody you choose because of the interest of all the same reasons that we talked about earlier, you can't do that. So the first reason is who you marry is a, is a right. We have a right to choose who you're going to marry, but, you, but that's a distortion of reality. And then number two, his second reason, reason for um, saying we should redefine marriage is because marriage is unique and wonderful to the married couple. What? True. Marriage is unique and wonderful to the married couple. So the implication is that you're, you're telling you know, gay people that they can't have this unique and wonderful thing. Yes, you can. You just can't have it with someone of the same sex because that's not what marriage is. It's never been that. And so it's, this is sort of like an appeal to emotion. Um, however, our Supreme Court should not be making laws at all, let alone because of appeals to emotion. This is, this is it's, it's crazy. Number three, Marriage safeguards children and families. What? Yeah, it, mar it does. Marriage safeguards children and families. Yet we've seen, and these statistics are available to them as well, that homosexual relationships do not safeguard children and families. First off, they can't produce children. So for every couple that gets married and stays together, there's the lack of propagation of the species in, in those individuals. So we're, we're, there's no children now because of this, in that situation. But secondly, the kids raised in same-sex homes are demonstrably worse off than the kids who are raised 
in uh, in biological parenting homes. And so there's there's legitimate differences. So yeah, for this reason, for number three, the fact that marriage safeguards children and family is why we shouldn't mess with it. Number four, marriage, his last reason, marriage is a keystone of our social order. There you go. In other words, marriage is extremely important to society. So why are we redefining it? If it's so important, why are we changing it? What he, this, this means it should be respected, not redefined. Now, one of the only other things that they do is they say marriage has evolved over time. And it, it, as well as acknowledging marriage, it's always been heterosexual and it's always been this way. But then they, then they sort of flip-flop and they say, well, um, it's, it's evolved over time. Marriage has not always been heterosexual. Um, couples, just one and one. Sometimes there was polygamy. Sometimes there was arranged marriages. And so they speak to the plasticity of marriage or the changeability of it. And so therefore, we're just changing it. Except that these examples, polygamy and um, arranged marriages, are not about the essence of marriage, are they? Because in polygamy, you have multiple one and one heterosexual couplings. In arranged marriages, we're just talking about how you met. That's like saying online dating makes new marriages. It just, it's just how you get it, how you get together. And even nowadays, even in India, there's still arranged marriages, which are not probably as bad as some people make them out to be because Disney movies, it's always like, I'm going to pick the ugliest, meanest, fattest person around and you have to marry them. And no, but I want to marry who I love, you know, and then it, it ends up with Aladdin and stuff. So that's nice. But... <laughs> But this is, this is not probably, I mean, a loving parent is not going to, you know, select for their daughter the worst possible candidate they can find. You know, like, well, I don't know, do you beat your wife? Will you beat, beat her? You're the guy. You know, I mean, this is not probably the way it is. And then the issue of polygamy, I mean, we see originally marriage in the garden. We see marriage, one man, one woman. Polygamy crops up later and society keeps rejecting it. It comes up, we reject it. It comes up, we reject it. It comes up, we reject it. But the essence of marriage has never changed. And so this is also irrational. So it's philosophically wrong. It's, uh, it's legally wrong because it's not their job to make new rights based on what they think the law should be, but rather to simply say what the law is. It also goes against the will of the people. Literally five unelected lawyers just made new laws for our country that will affect all of us. And how will they affect all of us? Um, well, we'll see. Pretty much we'll be okay until someone decides to target us. In which case, I'm going to probably go to jail or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But we have already many lawsuits and many cases that where people have already been brought into bad scenarios because of this sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it, this paves the way to punish anyone who disagrees because it's now, according to them, a constitutional right. So like we'll say like a, a chaplain in the military, will he be forced to marry this couple or go, in the, go to the brig or be fired from his job and lose his, lose his, uh, his pension? Is this what's going to happen? Um, well, that's, that's the kind of thing that's already happened in some cases. Um, it, and it is a genuine slippery slope. I haven't even got into the philosophical idea that, that um, genuinely for the same principles that we accept, if people accept same-sex marriage, we have to accept incest and p potentially um, uh, things like necrophilia. Like, can you think of a reason not to have necrophilia based on the same philosophy? Hey, but what if there's in the will, it says, hey, I'm okay if they do this to me after I, after I die because my husband, we love each other and we're consenting and we're adults. 
And we're like, no, it's unnatural, it's unhealthy, and it's just morally wrong. But those are no longer reasons to say something's wrong anymore. And you're, you're the bad person if you wanna help keep people from harm and stuff like that. So I think the bottom line is, um, if we care about and love our, uh, our gay friends and family for their sakes, for their health, for their spiritual life, that we will try to tactfully and carefully confront them on these issues. And when we're engaging in the public square, we will really try and change public opinion. And it may be a losing battle, but I'll tell you what, that should never stop you from fighting the right fight. Losing or winning, we're just called to fight. We're not, the results are not up to us. And so I, maybe I'm the guy in California, the only guy that votes for so-and-so and he doesn't get into office, but you know what, when I go to heaven, I'm like, well, I know my vote was for that guy. <laughs> You know, so it wasn't my fault. You know, we we are called to be watchmen on the wall and to speak the truth in love. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. I'm grateful that we can be over this this difficult issue. But having felt like it's been well addressed, and and lots of different various angles and sides have been dealt with, and we just pray that you'd use this information as it goes out on YouTube and is available on on CD and and especially Lord as it is in our hearts and minds now that we've heard it. Um, let us have opportunity to be light and be salt and speak the truth in love, to be bold, to be, in a sense, unapologetic, but full of compassion. Lord, help us be balanced. And we pray that we would be a light in this world. And we do pray for our culture, those people that are in it, Lord. We ask that um, for their own sakes, Lord, that you'd lead them out of darkness and into light. And for believers and churches that are coming out as pro-gay and ultimately unbiblical, um, we pray, Father God, that you would you'd handle it. it they're they're your, your people, or at least they claim to be, and we pray that you would handle it and you deal with it, Lord. And we just pray for a revival in the church as we, as we uh, just get back to firmly standing on the word of God. May we be revived. May we be radically revived. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for thinking biblically with me today. I'm Pastor Mike Winger, and I want to take a moment to tell you why I deal with controversial topics like this. It's because these topics, while controversial, are really important. Because they impact lives in big ways, and because people are confused and need and want clarity on these issues. Because too many leaders avoid these issues like the plague, and this is why they're controversial. It's because the water is so muddy. I believe that... What's needed is to take a biblical stance while being both courageous and compassionate. So next time on Bible Thinker, we're starting a series on Catholicism. This is going to be different than a lot of other stuff I see online out there. I worked hard to represent Catholicism accurately and evaluate its claims biblically without vilifying people or downplaying the issues. Again, the goal here is truth and clarity. If you want the notes for one of these studies, just go to BibleThinker.org. And until next time, don't forget to check the context.